Revelation chapter number four. You should have, you should have two papers. You should have two papers. One is the outline from last week. The outline from last week. How many of y'all forgot to get your outline from last week? All right, we've got, I made some copies just for y'all. Uh, we have uh, extras. I don't know where they at. Brother Johnny, I don't know. They're in the back back there. Is that the outlines from last week? All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, Johnny, they're right here. Help them, help them, help them, help them, help them. There you go. Start passing them out there. If you, if you did not, if you do not have your lesson from last week, raise your hand. Right? Ah, seriously? All right. Last week. This is just last week. So if you forgot to bring it back last week, mercy. Hey, go that way, Mr. Brown. Raise your hand last week. Listen, all three of y'all in my group, and y'all forgot it from last week? Really? All right. Well, if you're sick. Huh? That, that's, I'll get that in just a second. All right, quick, 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 quick. Last week, raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you do not have last week's lesson, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Good night in the morning. All right, hurry, hurry, hurry. While y'all are getting that out, while y'all are getting that out, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I have, I have noticed, I have noticed that there's been, been uh, some confused looking faces. Uh, I've noticed that, 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 Sometimes uh, I, I go a little bit too fast and, and can't catch up and all that kind of thing. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to get everything I'm teaching. So I, we're going to do something. Right in the back, I see some man. Keep it up. Keep it up. This is from last week, last week's outline. Do we got everybody on this side? See, now these are the people that love Jesus over here. <clears throat> over here, huh? Do what? You got to make more cuts. So there was more than 200 that forgot it? Hey, right here. Right, we've got something back here, Dustin. Got, right here, Dustin. There's a pile of them right here. That's good. Why are you hiding them, Jalen? Come on, man. All right. All right. While we, get it back up. Get it back up. I'm kidding. You do love Jesus, too. Raise your hands. Come on. If you do not have last week's lesson, make sure you get that. Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I want to do to try to help you. Uh, well, number one, I'm going to go slower. <clears throat> All right? I'm going to go slower. And what I mean, I'm not going to talk slower. I'm just, I got only got one gear. All right. That's all I got. But sometimes, sometimes when I see the clock ticking and it's almost up, then I try to hurry through stuff. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. From now on, we're just, if we get to point one, we get to point one. If we get to point two, we get to point two. Uh, and then we'll carry on. I had a really interesting conversation with uh, one of my best friends in the ministry, uh, 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 Brian Edwards. And, and I was talking about this, and I was concerned and just, just trying to figure out some things I need to do. And he said, Malcolm, how long are you going to be teaching the Bible? I said, till Jesus comes. He said, so you got till Jesus comes. <laughs> so take your time, amen? And uh, he has a wonderful way with words. And uh, so that's how we're going to do that. If we get to point one, we get to point one. If we get to point two, we're not going to try to cram it all. It, it, we're just going to go slower that way. Second thing, second thing. I have got a box up here that will be up here every Wednesday, and it's got a little slot in it. And if you have a question, if something confused you about that lesson, and uh, you have a question, write that question down and put it in the box, and I'll try my best. Now, now don't, be, don't be asking questions about Habakkuk, all right? 
something you've always wanted to know. If it's about the lesson or about something in, the, in, in Revelation that has confused you, write it down, put it in a box, and I'll try my best to either. Uh, if, if I have like 10 of the same question or, or multiple uh, questions or the same, I'll try to answer them the following week. If not, I'll try to send you an email or somewhere or another, get you the answer to the question. So we'll have that available. Are you glad? Say amen. We'll do that. Uh, thirdly, I said last week that, that if, if you uh, are confused or you couldn't get everything all, all in, the, in the time, then watch it on the Internet. Watch it on the Internet. Go home. Uh, we'll have it. It's, it's on our website every single week, and uh, you can go back and watch it over again, back and forth, reverse it, pause it, all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't thinking about the people that don't have Internet. So... Uh, 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 one of our great members here called me and said, Preacher, don't forget, announce to everybody that the, the public library has several computers that you can go to and watch the, watch the services online. If you don't have access to a computer, you don't have access to the Internet, you can go to the library and do it that way. Church, say amen. 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 And then uh, I had three of them or four of them. I can't remember what the fourth one was. Oh, yeah. At the end of each lesson, at the end of each lesson, I'm going to try to do a summary. In other words, okay, uh, the, here's, here's at maybe the last 10 minutes or last five minutes, whatever we have. This is what we've covered. This is what you should know out of this chapter. If that makes sense, say amen. How many of y'all think that'll help? Okay, uh, I, I hope so. I hope so because that's all I got. Amen. All right, Revelation 4, Revelation 4. Man, I, I'm telling you, the more I dug into this, the more uh, I started seeing, and this is, this is, this is really good. And I'm telling you, this is really, really good. So let's, let's jump in this, read a couple verses, and then I'll let you sit down. Was there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Not, I know they were sick last week, but was there anybody here that was not here last week? Raise your hand. You were not here last week. Okay, all right, all right, cool. Well, we're going to go through the first part of this and just breeze through it. And uh, you can fill in your answers, and then we'll go from there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard as it were a trumpet talking to me, uh, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness, and uh, Lord, for the people that are here tonight that are hungry for your word, they're hungry to study, and God, I pray that you'll help us to, to grow, help us to, to, to retain what we're studying, what we're reading, and uh, God, I pray for your spirit more than anything. Uh, Lord, I, I spent time in, in, in putting this together, and God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide every word I say. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't, don't let me say anything I should. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. What we have uh, here in chapter number four and chapter number five is the scene in heaven. Now, I believe, I believe personally from my study of scripture, I believe this is the scene in heaven right after the rapture of the church, right after the rapture. In the judgment seat of Christ where uh, the saints of God have, have uh, received their rewards and their crowns. And uh, this is a picture of what's taking place at the beginning of the tribulation period. I believe chapters 4 and 5 is the scene in heaven. And chapter 6 throughout will be what's happening on the earth during that period of time. If that makes sense, say amen. 
we have this scene in heaven. He said, I, I saw a, a, a door open in heaven, and now he is in the heavenlies. He is there in the presence of God. And uh, there are several things that he sees while he is here in this particular place, in this particular uh, point. And uh, so let's look at this. Number one, we see the person on the throne. We know this is God. Amen. This is God, the person on the throne. We see his appearance and his activity. His appearance from deeper studies is very well possible that these stones were a diamond and a ruby. And one crystal clear, the other blood red. This is in verse number, verse number three. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like into an emerald. So we see a throne. We see, and the Bible says the throne was being set. In other words, it was being placed into position. And I believe, if you want to just jot this down beside of it, I believe this throne is a throne of judgment. It's a throne of judgment. And we'll see that here in a moment when we talk about the thunderings and the lightnings. Right now, at the present time, in the age of the church, the age of the, the uh, we are in the age of grace. The Bible says we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Say it with me, the throne of but now, at this point, this throne is being put into place, and it is a throne of judgment. The age of grace will be over, the church age will be over, and it'll be time to judge the earth. So, we see the person on the throne. Number two, we see the pledge around the throne. The pledge around the throne. It says in verse number, uh, 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 verse number three, verse number three, and there was a rainbow a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, what is a pledge? A pledge is a promise, right? So we see two things here. A promise, the reminder of promise. Where did, where did we find the first rainbow? It was after the flood, right? God said, I, I will, I'm making a covenant. I'm making a pledge. I'm making a promise. I will never again destroy this earth by water, by flood. So it's a reminder of a promise. All right, then there's also a representation of peace. A peace. When, when do you see the rainbow? Before or after the storm? After, right? It, you see the rainbow when the storm is over. Over. Now, the, the, if you will notice the, the, the way it's worded, it says that the 24 elders, which I believe is the church, I believe it's the redeemed, and we'll see that here in a moment, but they are in the rainbow. They are in, amongst the rainbow. Now, for the child of God, for the child of God, for the church, for the redeemed, the storm is over. They are in the rainbow, the pledge, all right? It is, it is representing a promise and representing peace, amen. Uh, now, we see the pledge around the throne. Then number three, and I'm going through this fast because we already covered this last week. Number three, we see the persons around the throne. The persons around the throne. Verse number four. Verse number four. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Now that word seats is translated thrones or miniature, smaller thrones. So we have the throne and then we have 24 thrones around the throne. All right? It says they were, they were upon these seats. I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed with white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And then we went into detail, and we talked about the, the order of the priests in the Old Testament. 
We know in the temple, uh, David put together, uh, the priesthood was, was, was multitudes of men, multitudes of men. But they would serve in orders of 24. They would serve in orders of 24. But any time the 24 served, they represented the whole priesthood. And we said last week, because of the description given, uh, the, the, the garments they're wearing, the crowns they've received, and their song in chapter number 5, we believe this is the redeemed. We believe this is a representation of the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. 12 and 12. And you say, why do you believe it's the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints? Because and it, you see another representation of it uh, later on in the book of Revelation when you see the city of God. The city of God has 12 foundations and the city of God has 12 gates. All right, uh, the 12 gates to the city have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 patriarchs. The 12 foundations has the 12 apostles. The 12 uh, patriarchs uh, represent the Old Testament saints, and the 12 apostles represents the New Testament saints. What's the point? The point is this. I believe those 24 elders represents those who have been saved, those who have believed in God and placed their faith in God, those who from the Old Testament and those from the New Testament. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, they're the redeemed. <clears throat> they're the, the redeemed. All right, now, <clears throat> then we see, and we see number four. Where do we stop, by the way, last week? All right, all right. So, so let's, let's, go to, let's go to the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. It says, verse five, <clears throat> verse five. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Lightning, thunderings, and voices. This is the proceedings out of the throne. The proceedings out of the throne. What was coming from this particular throne? Now, now let's, let's back up a minute. Let's back up a minute. The throne that is, is in view today, the, or, or let's put this, the, the throne that's in act, activity today, this in view that we see, he says, come boldly before the throne of, what did we say a while ago? Grace, all right? Grace. Uh, how many of y'all, how many of y'all has, has, has a, a, a puppy or, or a dog that lives inside? Good people, good people. All right, how many of y'all has one of them puppies or a dog that when the thunder rolls, they get crazy on you? <laughs> I mean, they'll wake you up in the middle of the night all trying to get up in the bed with you and everything. They just, it's scary. It's fearful. All right? Thunder always represents judgment. Judgment. All right? These, these things are happening. It's a fearful thing. So we are coming from, now, now remember, back up, for the elders, they're in the midst of the rainbow. The rainbow is a pledge of peace, right? For the child of God, when, when the rapture of the church takes place, that means the storm is. But for everybody else, for all the dwellers of the earth, the storm is coming. Because if, if you'll remember, if you'll think about it, most of the time, you hear the thunder and you see the lightning way before the storm comes. But you know that means the storm is coming. Amen? So, I want you to write this down. If you didn't, it's a storm of sentencing. 
sentencing like you a judge would place the sentence. He's going to judge the earth. It's a storm of suffering, untold, unheard of suffering. It's no longer the throne of mercy. It's no longer the throne of grace. But it's going to be the throne of judgment. Then I want you to see the portrayal before the throne. The portrayal before the throne. What do you see before the throne? And before the throne, verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. All right? Now, just listen just a moment. Now, I, I want to, I well, let me back up. I missed something. I missed something. Verse 5. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I got, I'm going slow. <laughs> Verse 5. I know where I'm going. I just want to get there. Amen. Verse number 5. Verse number 5. Tell myself, slow down. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, remember last week. There is not seven different spirits of God. There's the one perfect spirit. Seven represents fullness, complete perfection. Uh, there are seven characteristics of his spirit. But this is what I want you to remember. The number seven has been used characteristically of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 1, 4, 3, 1, and 5, 6. These are not seven different spirits, but rather the sevenfold fullness and completeness of the Holy Spirit's omniscience and omnipotence. Here the Holy Spirit takes on his judicial character. Fire being a symbol of divine judgment at the second coming of Christ to the earth with his saints. And, and that's in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8 if you want to write that down. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8. This is far different from the divine fire and the present power and activity of the Holy Spirit in the church. In other words, when we use the term fire there, it's, uh, boy, I tell you what, the preacher was fired up today. That means he, he had the touch of God on him. The Holy Spirit was working through him. Or, or, or one of the singers, maybe, maybe the singers, uh, uh, maybe God had touched them and, and, and they were on fire. That's, that's, that's the term. Well, this is different. This is different. This is going to be judicial fire. Not fire to minister or to serve but judicial fire. In other words, uh, how many of y'all remember the verse that says that our works are going to go through the fire? They're going to be judged. They're going to be purged. This is the flame. This is the fire. In other words, the Spirit is not going to act as a helper, but as a judge, okay? The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove, but here he is the Spirit of judgment, and the spirit of burning, that's Isaiah 4.4. If you want to look that up later, Isaiah 4.4. Each member of the Holy Trinity is viewed in connection with the righteous character of the throne. Each is prepared to execute judgment. So we see a portrayal of perfection. A, a portrayal of perfection. All right, then B. That is verse number, verse number uh, 6. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. All right? This is a portrayal of purity. This is a portrayal of purity. Once you write that down, look up at me. Listen. The laver in the tabernacle, the big bowl, 
the big pool of water that they had in the tabernacle, the laver, which was called the laver, the brazen laver, and the sea in Solomon's temple. It was, it was very, very large. When Solomon built the temple, he built one very large, huge, full of water. So the laver in the sea, it was the laver, it was called the laver in the, the temporary tabernacle. And, and that's how you can tell the, the difference. Uh, the, the, Moses had the tabernacle in the wilderness. Solomon had the temple in Jerusalem. The tabernacle was temporary. The, the, the temple was permanent. All right, they carried around the tabernacle through the wilderness, the temple, but it was the same thing. The temple was the permanent tabernacle. Does that make sense? All right, it was called the laver in the tabernacle, which was the temporary one, but a sea, S-E-A, a sea in Solomon's temple, all right? Now, this was for the purpose of priestly purification, but in heaven, now watch, in other words, the, the priest would use this before they could go into the Holy of Holies. They had to be clean. They had to wash their feet, wash completely. They were all about purification. I, I mean, it was amazing. When, I, when we were in Israel, uh, uh, do you remember, Mr. Brown, do you remember all the times they would talk about purification, body purification? When they were in the wilderness and the different uh, uh, believers that were in the wilderness, they were all about body purification. And it was an amazing thing when you're in the wilderness and you're in the desert, there ain't a whole lot of water. Say amen. But this was what they did. They would take, and it was for purification. It was for washing, cleansing. Now watch this. This is really cool. But in heaven, the sea is solidified. It's solid. In heaven, where there is a fixed state of holiness and purity, there is no need for cleansing. Heaven is the place of perfection. There the saints will have entered into perfect sanctification the backslidings of the heart and the failures of the flesh are forever past. Yeah. You know, this, is, this was somewhat alluded to by Jesus when he was washing the disciples' feet. You remember? He got down and washed their feet and Peter said, oh, no, 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 not me, not me. He said, if you don't let me, I don't have no part with you. He said, oh, wash everything. Wash my head. Wash. He said, look, man, you don't have to do all that. You're clean. And, and, and the principle and the point Jesus was making, when a person gets saved, they're clean. They have the righteousness of Christ. But sometimes we get soiled. Sometimes walking this earth, we get a little dirty. Sometimes we get an attitude. Sometimes we do things we shouldn't. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't. At that time is when we come to the labor and say, God, forgive me of my sin. And he says, if we are faithful, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us. All right? Does that make sense? And so he's alluding to this a little bit. <clears throat> when he's saying, listen, you're clean, but here on earth, we're not perfect. We're going to make it to heaven, but we make mistakes. And we have failures. We have issues. And we have weaknesses. So we got to keep coming back and saying, God, wash me. God, restore me. God, forgive me of my sin. But the moment we step on heaven's shore, that sea is solid. It's in a permanent state. We will be in a permanent state of perfection and holiness and cleansing. And we won't have to worry about temptation and sin anymore. Can we all say amen? The sea of glass. It's in a solidified form. 
means permanence. There's going to be permanent purity for the saints. Then, then we see number, verse 7. Verse 7. So we see a portrayal of perfection. Verse 6, a portrayal of purity. And then round about the throne, there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. They could see coming and going. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was as a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, say it with me, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Here's the key. Here's the key. Verse 11 is the key to chapter 4. All right? Verse 9 is the key to chapter 5. Okay? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast... Thou... Oh! Thou hast... Create. See, y'all got to go slow too. Thou hast... Created all things. For thy pleasure they are and were. Chapter 4 is all about the creative act of God. Now I'm going to tell you something a little ahead of time. Chapter 5 is about the redemptive act of God. Creation comes before redemption. He's worthy because he created. Now, here's the thing. What's the first verse in the Bible? Very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. God created. Now, here, let's talk about the four beasts. This is a portrayal of praise. A portrayal of praise. A portrayal of perfection. A portrayal of purity. And a portrayal of praise. The four living creatures are cherubim. Cherubim. It's an exalted order of angels frequently associated in Scripture with God's holy power. 1 Samuel 4, 4, 2 Samuel 6, 2, 22 and verse 11, Psalms 80, verse 1, and Isaiah 37, verse 16. If you'll remember, after Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden and stationed the cherubim at the entrance to keep them from returning. In other words, they were at the entrance of the garden, and if Adam and Eve tried to come back in, they'd say, Stop. Don't go any further. Stop. Don't go any further. Now, what were these for? Listen, there was two carved cherubim placed on the Holy of Holies, and we're going to get to that in here in just a moment that were symbolically guarding God's holiness. In other words, in the, in the temple, if you, would have, if you would have went in the Holy of Holies, you would have seen the cherubim saying, don't go any. Why? You would die immediately. 
They were guarding God's holiness. These four creatures are around the throne crying day and night, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every minute of the hour. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Isn't it amazing that on earth we want to focus on his, his, his character of love or his character of mercy, his character of compassion, but in heaven they are constantly reminding everyone his character of holiness. His holiness. Listen, we have, we have got to get that in America. Some things are happening that's just making me sick to my stomach. Most of you are seeing what's going on in New York with, with the, the ruling. Our, our country is going to hell a hundred miles an hour. And we've got to understand the holiness of God. And these creatures do. And they cry day and night, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So listen, here's what I want you to write down. We see the, the four creatures. <clears throat> one's a lion. One's a calf. One is a face of a man. One is a face of an eagle. So they're representing something. They're representing something. The lion represents strength. The, the calf represents service. Man represents smartness. That's a word. The eagle represents swiftness. But watch this. Watch this. All four of these creatures represent creation. It represents the earth. Okay? The eagle is the top of the chain with the flying creatures. It's the king of the air. Obviously, the lion is the what of the jungle? King of the jungle. The ox is the strongest of all domesticated animals. It is the top of the domesticated group. And obviously, man is the pinnacle of God's creation. But all of these, all of these represent the earth. All right? And what are they doing? Praising. What are they doing? Glorifying God. What are they doing? Bringing honor to the Lord. Let all that hath breath. That's where you see it. Four is the number of the earth. There are uh, uh, four different phases of the moon. Four different seasons. Four different main points of the earth. North, south, east, and... Are y'all with me? Listen... Chapter 4 is about God and his creation. I, I, I didn't put this down, but I, I happen to think about this. Uh, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He is God. He is God. He's a creator. Before, before we even get to chapter 5, you've got to understand, he did not have to save you to deserve your praise. He didn't have to send his son. His son didn't have to die on the cross. He didn't have to do a blessed thing for us. He didn't have to provide our food. He didn't have to give us shelter. He didn't have to give us a home. He didn't have to do anything. He is God all by himself. He's worthy of praise. He's just. 
He's just in what he does. He, now, now here's, the, here's what you got to get. He's just in what he's fixing to do. Because he's God. I, I've seen, and I've done it too, and probably most everybody in here has. Why would God do this? God doesn't have to answer anybody. Job, you, you know when Job was going through what he went through and he was questioning God and God began to ask him, where was you when I put all this together? Where was you when I flung the stars in the sky? Where was you when I made this and where was you when I did that? And by the time God got through with Job, Job said, man, what am I saying? I need to keep my mouth shut. Are y'all with me? He's God. He's God. These four creatures. Then, then number four. No, excuse me, number five. Number five. We see the praise in the midst of the throne. The praise in the midst of the throne. Two things are taking place. The praise is to magnify his holiness. In other words, make a big deal about it. They're emphasizing his holiness. To magnify his holiness. I tell you what, it'd do, it'd do good for every church in America to do that. Every home and every family. To magnify his holiness. And then B, to manifest his honor. The Bible says nine. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying... And by the way, if you want to write this down, this is why I believe that the, uh, this is after the rapture of the church and after the judgment seat of Christ because they have crowns to give. We're not going to get any crowns until he gives them to us. Are you all with me? But at this moment is when we get to give them back to him. That's why, that's why I've heard people say, well, just as long as I go to heaven, I don't care if I get a crown. What are you going to do, stand empty-handed in front of him? I don't want to. I want to be able to offer something back to the one who's given me everything. Amen? Anyway, anyway, you can't run no rabbits. Stay with it. Listen, chapter 4 is a hymn of creation. Chapter 5 is a hymn of redemption. Totally different song, and we'll get to that. But here's what I want to do. I want to, I want, let's go over the summary now. now. Now, the summary is usually not going to be this long, I hope. But this is just too good not to do. <clears throat> now, here's the summary. Here's what you need to take. Here's what you need to keep in your head and keep in your mind about chapter number four, okay? This is what we see, and it'll be so clear. You're going, this, is, this is going to be your aha moment. Aha. All right, let's practice. Aha. All right, now after we're through with this, I need to hear it. All right, let's practice one more time. Aha. aha. All right, makes sense now. It makes sense now, okay. Here's, here's what it says in Exodus 25.1. Should be right in your notes, right? Y'all do have that, correct? All right, Exodus 25.1. This is, this is at Mount Sinai. 
Moses has brought the people out of Israel, or excuse me, out of Egypt. He's brought the nation out of Egypt, and they are at Mount Sinai, correct? And God has given him the law. God has given him the instructions. God has given him the pattern of the tabernacle. The pattern of the tabernacle. In other words, it's where they're going to go to church. It's where they're going to go to meet with God, if you will. It's going to be where God dwells while he's here on earth with them. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So he gives them the pattern of the tabernacle. Look what it says. God is speaking to Moses. He says, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern. Keep that in your head, the word pattern. After the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Make it just like I tell you to make it. Now, let's learn what that is. Hebrews 8. This is Paul. And by the way, by the way, Paul is writing Hebrews and he's explaining, he's explaining he got to go to heaven, remember? He got to go to the third heaven, the place where God was, and now he's coming back and he's writing to explain. Watch. Hebrews 8, 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. In other words, this is going to sum it all up. We have such a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is set on the right hand of the what? Throne of majesty. Where's that throne? In the heavens. A minister of the? And the true what? Now where are they at? In the heavens. In the heavens. Which the Lord pitched and not man. Skip down to verse 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Hebrews 9, 12. I'm going to come back to that so we can summarize. Amen? Verse 12, excuse me, verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the of things in... Heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Now, you have to go back and read. He's talking about the things that were on earth and the things in heaven. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament and we look at the tabernacle. Now, everybody stay with me now. Stay with me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Stay with me. I don't want nobody confused. The Old Testament tabernacle, Right? That God gave Moses, build it this way, build it just like I tell you to do it, in just every detail, just like it. It was a pattern of the real one in heaven. Are y'all with me? In other words, if we're really going to understand chapter 4, you got to understand the tabernacle. Because what you're seeing in chapter number 4 is a description of not the pattern, but the real thing. Are y'all with me? Do you remember what I said in the very beginning of this to really understand Revelation? Revelation is primarily for the Jews. And it's written in a Jewish way. Through Old Testament, it's got such Old Testament flavor because it's primarily written to the Jew. The Jews are going to go through the tribulation period. The church is going to be raptured out. 
Now, so here's what I want to do. In the summary, we're going to put side by side the Old Testament tabernacle, or we'll call it the earthly tabernacle, earthly tabernacle temple, the earthly tabernacle, and the heavenly temple. The earthly temple and the heavenly temple. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right. Can I get my first picture? Can I get my first picture? Oh, man, I need my shooter. Do we have that back there? My laser? If we don't, it ain't no big deal. It ain't no big deal. All right. Now, let's go. Let's take the earthly. Let's take the earthly. When you come into the court, now, if you'll remember, this is a tent. This is a tent. They would, they would fold this up and carry it wherever they went. And when they, when they bedded down for the night, wherever God told them to stop, they would put this up. They would put this as basically God's house in the wilderness. And then they would, they would camp all around it. If that makes sense, say amen. When you come into the outer court, the first thing we have is the brazen altar. Say that with me. The, the brazen altar. <laughs> Yellow button. Do we see the brazen altar? You see the red dot? Brazen altar. Then we have the, the laver. That is where they washed. Big, big brace, uh, brass uh, bowl, big brass tub, pool, whatever you want to call it. That's the brazen laver. Then we go into the holy place. Now, now this is a covered tent, Okay. There's, a, there's a, a wall out here, fabric wall out here, all right, which is called the outer court. But then you go into the holy place, and only the priest could go in there. Only the priest could go in there. All right, in the, in the holy place, we have the golden candlestick over here, seven, seven-pronged golden candlestick. And I'm going to show you pictures of all these here in just a minute. Then the table of showbread. Then the golden altar of incense. And then behind the veil... Behind the veil, you have the Holy of Holies, all right? That is where the Ark of the Covenant was. The Ark of the Covenant had the cherubim on it with the wings covering, okay? So here we have, here we have, this is the Old, or the Old Testament tabernacle, the earthly tabernacle that was made after the pattern of the, everybody come on now, the, all right, now. Here's what I want to do. We're going to go through chapter 4, and we're going to pick these things out. Okay? What do they represent? Number 1. Number 1. This is in verse 2. The Bible says, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne. What do you do on the throne? Sit. Very good. Right? That's where you rest. That's where you rule from. You rest on the throne, all right? Now, now, what does, what does the, 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 the throne represent over here? It's the mercy seat. It's the mercy seat. So write that down. Number one, the throne represents the mercy seat. Everything on the left, everything on the left is what we find in chapter four, the heavenly temple, right? Everything on the right is what it represents from the old, Okay. Uh, can I get, can I get the, the picture of the, the, the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Can everybody see this? All right. This area right here, 
This area right here is called the mercy seat. Say that with me. The, the glory of God, the presence of God would come and rest on the mercy seat. In other words, that would be his earthly what? Throne. Throne. It was where God, his presence was. Okay? It's where he manifests himself. That was his earthly throne, the mercy seat. All right? We, we read that. So, so in chapter 4, in heaven, there is a throne. All right? You with me? Okay. Secondly, secondly, look in verse 2. Or excuse me, verse 4. We find, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders. Elders. All right? The 24 elders represents the active priesthood. The active priesthood. You're going to see that throughout the book of Revelation. What, did, what would you find in the temple? You'd find priests. Right? You'd find priests. He said, you've made us unto our God kings and priests. Now you're going to see later on where they're handling prayers. What, would, what is a priest? He's a, he's, he's a representative of God to man and a representative of man to God. Say amen. So in the earthly tabernacle, you have, come on, priests, the priesthood. In the heavenly tabernacle, you have priests. Who's that? You and me. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Y'all get some more. About number five, this is going to dawn on y'all. <clears throat> All right, number three, number three. Verse 5, so, so far we have a throne, which is the mercy seat in the Old Testament. We have a priesthood, which are the 24 elders, right? Number 3, we have seven lamps of fire. <clears throat> seven lamps of fire. Now watch what they had in the, in the holy place. The picture of the lampstand. Look at that. Let's count. So in the Old Testament, in the earthly tabernacle, there's a golden lampstand with seven lamps. In the New Testament, in, in, the, in the heavenly tabernacle, how many lamps do you have? Seven. Who do they represent? The Holy Spirit. Right? Same, same, in, the, same in the earthly. That lampstand represented the presence of the Holy Spirit. That lampstand could never go out. Aaron was responsible for making sure that that olive oil was there and those lamps were trimmed. In other words, that light had to burn night and day whether anybody was present or not. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit's with you when you're asleep? The Holy Spirit's with you when you're awake? The Holy Spirit's with you when you don't even know He's with you? And all God's people say it. Now watch. Now watch. Then we find, then we find verse 6. I hope I'm not boring nobody. This is cool to me. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. All right? All right? 
That represents the brazen. All right? That's where they washed. That's where they, they purified themselves. And here's the significant thing, too. Everything on the outside of the holy place was brass. Everything in the holy place was gold. I'm running a rabbit. I'm running a rabbit. Stop it. Stop it. All right. All right. Let's, let's see a picture. This is what it looked like. I mean, this is an artist's representation of it. But you get the point. In, in Solomon's temple, it was huge. And they called it a sea. Well, what's the difference between this one and that one? We talked about it a while ago. Up in heaven, it's solidified because we don't have to wash anymore. We are in a permanent state of purity, a permanent state. No more sins. Amen. All right. Number, what number? Number five. We see the, the four creatures. The four creatures. We said that's the cherubim around the mercy seat. All right. Go, go back to the mercy seat, if you will. Go back to the mercy seat. Here we have the cherubim, which represents the guardians of God's holiness. When you see them, they're telling you to don't go any further. Don't go any further. You're on holy ground. So we see the in the Old Testament, we have the cherubim. In the New Testament, we have the cherubim. They're around the throne. They're in more detail in the book of Revelation because of what's fixing to take place, the activity that's fixing to happen on the earth. All right, number six. Number six. We see the altar. We don't find it here in chapter four, but it is in Revelation. If you will go in chapter number six, verse nine, Chapter number 6, verse 9, it says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. Several times you'll hear that worded that way, the altar. And when it's described that way, when it's described that way, it is describing judgment or death. And we find the martyrs that have died. There's a connection there, sacrifice. They sacrificed their lives for the gospel. They sacrificed their lives for the cause of Christ and for God. They were killed during the tribulation period. Now, what happens at the, what happens at the brazing altar? That's where you bring your sacrifice. You see, the brass altar represents death, judgment. That, 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 that animal, that, that goat, that sheep is being judged. It's being judged instead of you, by the way. All right, now, so we see, we see the brazen altar in Revelation, and this is it in the, in the Old Testament. This is what it would look like. They would have coals of fire here, and they would place the sacrifice. And that's where the blood would come from, the blood for our atonement. <coughs> then we find the golden altar, or the golden altar of incense. This is in the holy place. This is in the holy place. We find that in chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. It says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, and that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the, what kind of altar? What kind? Golden altar. 
golden altar, which was before the throne. All right? Now, this is what it would look like. This is in the holy place. It was, it was made out of wood but covered in solid gold. All right, all right, go to, go to the, the, the tabernacles, the two tabernacles. And let's go through this. <laughs> all right, let's look at this again. So, did anybody notice anything? I'm going to see if anybody caught it. Anybody notice anything? Anybody notice anything missing? No? All right, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. In, in, in the, the, both of them we have the, come on everybody, the brazen altar where you bring the, all right, then we find that in Revelation chapter 6, right? We just read it. Okay, then we have the, all right, in chapter 4, we have the sea of, which is a solidified form of this. That makes sense, amen. And now we have a holy place also. We have a holy place. So we come in, we have the golden candlesticks, which had how many on there? Seven. How many lamps do we find in the holy place in heaven? Seven lamps. All right, we find a golden altar of incense, right? Golden altar of incense. And what happened in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in, and before he could go in, well, oh, matter of fact, twice a day, twice a day, Aaron would put incense on that, and it would put a sweet smell and smoke up to God. That was a type of worship. He would have to do it twice a day. And before he went in to the holy place, that once a year on the Day of Atonement, he had to put incense on and fill that room to cover himself so the glory of God didn't kill him, which is just something to think about. But here we have, here we have the golden altar of incense, and in chapter 8, we find what? This is not hard, people. We just read it. <clears throat> Say it again. The golden altar. So we have the same, right? Then we have the cherubim, the cherubim, the guardians. What do we have on the, on the mercy seat? Guarding the mercy seat? The cherubim. All right, the mercy seat. And then the throne is where God sat and his presence dwelt. Say it again. There's no table of showbread. Everything else is there. All right, now watch. Now watch. Now watch. <laughs> now, I couldn't find this in any commentary. So this is Malcolm's theology. Okay? So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if you got a better answer, my ears are open. Okay? Watch this. This represents God the Father. His, his Shekinah glory is there. This represents the Holy Spirit, the seven golden candlesticks. The showbread, without a doubt, represents Christ, Jesus, as the bread of life. There are different times in the New Testament when he talked about the bread of life. Okay? So you have, you have the Trinity represented, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Now, in the holy place, you have the Holy Spirit, 
You have God the Father on the throne, but in the midst, in the midst is Christ. We're going to read that in the next chapter. In the Old Testament, the bread was a type of Christ. It was pointing to Christ. It was a picture of Christ. But in heaven, he is there in the flesh. There is no type. There is no picture. And you don't need it because he's right. He's present. Now, like I said, that's not in any commentaries. And that may not mean what that means. But it's going to mean it for me. To hold, the, the, the Lord tells me different. Say amen. He is there. He is there. Now, all of this, all of this. So what are we seeing? What are we seeing? In Revelation chapter 4, you're seeing the temple in heaven. You're seeing the real deal. All you saw in the Old Testament was a pattern of the real thing. And John is giving you a picture of the real thing in heaven. Are y'all with me? Now, everything is connected Everything is connected to his creative act in chapter 4. The creatures, the worship, the song, the description, everything is honoring him as creator. Next week is going to be off the chain. If you're saved. Because we move. From God creator to God redeemer. Thank God for the new song. Say amen. All right. That's all. That's the summary. You got it. All right. All right. That's kind of weak. One, two, three. Uh-huh. What, what, will you please admit that this does make a little more sense now? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm telling you, I, my worst fear, my worst fear is someone leave this place and not understand what I'm trying to say. I try my best. And, and now, I will say this. I will say this. Some of this is going to make you think. And that's not bad. I know some of y'all are out of practice. But it, listen, you need to. Now here's the thing. You say, well, preacher, you're going to that verse and that verse and that verse. Here's what you've got to learn. The best way to understand the Bible is to allow the Bible to explain itself. Did you notice when I showed you some verses out of Hebrews when it said, this is a pattern? Oh, now it makes sense. Now, everything we read, now I know, I know sometimes I, I get carried away and I go to a bunch of them and then, well, you're over here when well, I'm back over here now and I, I'm going to try my best not to do that. But I'm trying to help you. And sometimes in order to help you grow, I got to tell you to, let's go. All right, man up a little bit, right? So always learn to use the Bible to explain the Bible. There is not one single commentary on this planet that is as good at explaining the Bible as the Bible. 
Every commentary is man's opinion. The Bible is God's word. When you can get support for this verse from this verse, that's all you need. And all God's people say it. All right, next week. Next week, go ahead and read chapter 5. Uh, it's going to be really good. I'm telling you, it's going to be really good. Uh, here's your box for your questions. If you got one, just slide it in there, and then we'll go from there. All right? I'm only over one minute and 50 seconds. Say amen. I count that as a win, and all God's people say it. All right. All right. Everybody good? All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, thank you that one day we're going to be worshiping in the real thing. We're going to be in your presence, and we're going to be offering praise and honor and glory to your name. I pray that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. Lord, bless all those that couldn't make it tonight. I pray that your perfect will be done in their lives. Bless us all this week. Lord, all those that are sick. Lord, there's so many that's out sick. God, please touch them and help them to recover and get better. And God, will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Testing, testing. Hey, everybody. If you don't have pen and paper, they'll always have a pen, and, and it says have a question. They'll have that here for you if you just want to come up and write it and put it in there. Help yourself. If not, go home. <clears throat>